Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading I Needed a Neighbor by Patricia Sanjan with permission of Scripture Union Publications. And we are reading Chapter 8. We're nearly there, said Gabriel. There was a pause by Tikla, such a very light burden now, summoned up the energy to lift his head and look. But his sight was no longer very good, and he could only see a blur. Where, he asked, to the camp where we're going to stop. There's food and rest there, where the trees grow by the river. Tikla managed to turn and call out to Merritt, who was just behind him. We're nearly there, Merritt, and we're not going to walk any more ever again. And then his head, which looked much too heavy for the rest of him, drooped back into Gabriel's shoulder, and his sunken eyes closed contently. It was a sharp shoulder, with every bone sticking up from under the skin. But it had been his pillow for a long time, and he had gotten used to it. Besides, he knew his good fortune. There were children not so much older than him, still struggling along on tiny broomstick legs. But there were not so many of them left now. Tikla's voice was so small and weak that Merritt scarcely heard what he said, but she knew it was something to do with that line of trees ahead, bright in the early morning sun that burned on their backs, and she managed to smile at him. Her legs seemed to be buckling under her, but if this was the end, she could get there. Sometimes, since her grandmother's death, she had wondered what was the point of going on, but now there seemed to be just one overwhelming aim in life to reach a place of shade, to lie down and rest and never move again, so that she could take Tikla in her arms and rest him back to strength. She pressed on, and the row of trees was getting nearer. She could see the crowds of people who had arrived while it was still dark, squatting patiently in the shade, waiting their turn for attention. So many, many people. Now that she was getting closer, it looked to her astonished gaze like a far-stretching city of flimsy shelters, Rush mats or rags balanced on uneven poles. Thousands and thousands of them crowded together on the eastern bank of the river, and the banks were deep, for the great river had sunk to an all-time low. Some large pools remained, and people were boring down into the sandy bed, but the water that welled up was slushy and brown. It was very quiet. They squatted on the outer edge of the crowd, and Gabriel laid Tikla in Merritt's arms and went ahead to report the new arrivals. She looked down at his wan face and twisted to a smile, and she smiled back. Since crossing the border, the terror of further bombardments had been lifted, and she had known a strange, weary peace. But at the sight of his sharp cheekbones and sunken eyes, her heart gave a lurch of fear. Tikla died, but her imagination could go no further. She gathered him to her, stretched out on the pale earth, and fell fast asleep. Merritt sat up quickly, for they were prizing Tikla away from her, and he was whimpering. Two foreign ladies were looking down at him and saying something in a strange language. One of their own people, who knew French, was interpreting. "'This child must come at once,' he said. "'Where is your mother and the rest of your family? You must all come.' "'My father and mother have been taken south,' said Merritt, "'and my grandparents are dead. There is only Tikla and me and my Uncle Gabriel.' "'Then come,' said the young orderly. He picked up Tikla in his arms and walked away with the foreign ladies, and Merritt followed as fast as she could. She was rather scared of these pale-faced foreigners with their strange language, and she preferred the rest camps along the road, where her own people had cared for them. But she was not really anxious, for she had seen deep compassion and concern in their faces, and she knew that they would do their best. They seemed to go on forever, past those endless shelters where men, women, and children lay, rested, lined up for something or other. 
These travelers did not talk much because they mostly come from the same route, and now it was over, and there was nothing left to talk about. But at last Merritt caught up with Tigla in a sort of center where the foreign ladies were doing very strange things to him. The orderly had put him in a basket and hung it on a hook, and the ladies were looking on and approving it. In spite of the little boy's miserable wailing, when Merritt tried to rescue him, she was gently restrained and had to watch while they laid him on a board and measured him like a piece of cloth. "'Give him to me,' she cried. "'He's frightening. What are you doing to him?' The orderly quietened her. "'Don't be afraid,' he said. "'They're weighing and measuring him. He's sick, and they will give him extra food.' They were off again to another big shelter where the air was cooler and darker. There were rush mats on the ground and no crowds, only family groups with a mother or a father in the middle, holding a baby or a little child who looked exactly like Tikla, the same dull, sunken eyes, bloated stomachs and stick-like arms and legs. Another lady greeted them and, and motioned to Merritt to sit down on an occupied mat. The orderly brought her two mugs of milk, some biscuits, and a bowl and a spoon. Drink, he said, and feed your brother. Break up the biscuits and the milk and give him a little at a time and eat yourself. As Tikla lay in her arms, sucking in the spoonfuls of milk and, and biscuit pulp, Merritt wondered drowsily whether they had reached paradise. Spears of sunlight filtered through the rush mat roof, and over in the corner there was some activity where great cauldrons of high-protein milk were being prepared. But all around her were the rest of those who had reached the end of the journey. Even the children, grouped around a sick brother or sister, sat quiet and patient with a faraway look in their eyes, for they were mostly too weak to want to play, and outside it was growing hotter and hotter. As the day wore on, whole families lay down to sleep together, and Merritt and Tikla did the same. And as she drifted off into dreams, she seemed to hear Tikla, feeble voice, calling to her across the desert, We're not going to walk any more ever again. And that's the end of chapter 8. We'll have chapter 9 tomorrow and we'll find out what happens to Tikhlan. I love you. I'm praying for you and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.